you've got your Bibles to Acts chapter number 20, we're going to be looking at verses 18 through 24 this morning. Uh, Acts chapter 20, verses 18 through 24. We're going to be looking at the end of uh, one of the Apostle Paul's missionary journey as he makes his way back uh, on this journey. He's going to stop here and meet some believers um, that meant so much to him. And he's going to truly uh, share his heart uh, with these believers here as he makes his way back. And beginning uh, in verse 17 there, it says, And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know that from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind, with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying weight of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. Save the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy, and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Here in this passage, as Paul is truly sharing his heart with these Ephesian believers, believers that he had a, a personal opportunity to win to Christ, to disciple, to bring to the point where they then were handed the keys to the car, so to speak, and lead and guide and disciple others of that local church there in Ephesus. We see Paul truly sharing his heart and his, his time is limited. He knows that he does not have much time left. He, he knows that the Holy Spirit is leading him uh, to Jerusalem and he doesn't know what is going to happen when he gets to Jerusalem but he knows that something is in the works. And as he shares his heart there at the end of that passage there in verse 24, he makes the, the statement, but none of these things move me. And different translations have get, uh, dubbed that phrase in different ways. One uh, that I think does an even better job in, an, in a way that we even look at it from a different perspective is the idea of talking about value. The fact that none of these things hold value. They hold weight. And, and he's telling them, there's, there's things that are going to come in our life that we have to really do a value test on. Is it really important? Is, is it really, is it a hill worth dying on? Is it something that, that I really want to, to get into? And Paul is letting these Ephesian believers know that there have been many things that throughout his ministry that, that, that weren't, they weren't valuable and they weren't w willing to, to die for. But as he is sharing his heart, what he is also doing is saying, but there were some things that truly did matter. Those things that truly did matter to me and they truly did matter to God. And I want to share with you this morning what I believe the heart of the Apostle Paul was and I believe what the part of our God is when it comes to the things that truly do matter. This morning, let's ask the question, what really matters? In Acts 20, Paul is sharing his heart. He's asking the question, what really matters? And the first thing that we come to in verse number 19 that Paul says really does matter is passionate 
and faithful service to God. Look, look at verse number 19 again. It says, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. Passionate and faithful service to God. He says they're serving the Lord with all humility of mind. Two words there, service and humility, that really go hand in hand or synonymous with one another. In order to truly serve the Lord, we have to have humility. We truly have to go and put aside our desires. We have to put aside our wants, our needs, and give those things to God. And, and, and it's something that does not come without opposition. So many times we hear the idea of serving and service to God. And we think that it oftentimes is easy because it's what's expected of us. It's what is our reasonable service. But we understand that the Apostle Paul said that even though there was opposition, what was the opposition like for Paul? Well, he said that it was in spite of many tears. In spite of many tears, there were things that truly brought the Apostle Paul to tears. And I think things that bring us to tears, things that truly do bring us to a point where we ask, is, is it really worth it? There were three things that I think in the life of Paul that, that brought him to a place of anguish, of mental anguish, spiritual anguish. But one of those things that we find out as he shares in the book of Romans was the actual lost condition of his people. The, it, the lost moved Paul to tears. It's in Romans chapter 9 where he says that great sorrow and unceasing grief. And, and he says, I wish that myself were accursed. For who? Not, not just for any random person, but for specifically the Jewish people, his people, his family. And, and he said, I, 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 it truly brought him to tears. It brought anguish to him. And that's why Paul was so faithful to declare the word of God, to uh, serve those that God had brought him to. What also brought Paul to tears was Christians who lacked necessary growth. That moved Paul to tears. Think about the, books, the book of First and Second Corinthians. Paul writes two books, very, very passionate books, books about issues, about Christians that, that, and questions that they were having. And, and he, got, he got very pointed with those Christians in Corinth. And he wanted to make sure why, because he truly did care about them. If he didn't care about them, he wouldn't have gone to the, to the lengths to write a letter that was correcting so many of the issues and the questions and the problems that they had. But Paul truly cared. He cared about them. Why? Because God cares about people and he cares about where they're at and what they're going through. They lacked growth and Paul wanted to provide them with that growth. And then the last thing that I think we see here that brought Paul to tears, we can see in his life, were the attacks on the church and their doctrine that moved Paul to tears. We think about in Philippi and Ephesus, among other places, where there was definite attacks on the, those churches. And, and as the Ephesian believers are listening to Paul, they can think back to those times when there was attacks on them and the doctrine that they were trying to teach and share with the lost. And, and that doctrine was attacked, and it truly did move Paul to tears. But it wasn't just tears that I believe he had to work through in that faithful and passionate service to God. But it was in spite of temptations and trials from his own people, the Jews. You see, the true measure of a servant of God is not the size or spread of his influence, but the focus to please God despite the pressures and attacks of the truth. The true measure is not how far someone can go and how far their message may take them, but it's their focus to please God 
no matter how many naysayers may come. You see, it's easy to get up and it's easy to get up and speak to a large group when everybody is for you, when everybody is patting you on the back, when everybody is saying, a boy, way to go. But when it begins to get tough and when it begins to get difficult is when you get those emails, when you get those texts, when you get those messages of of negativity. And again, it doesn't just have to be a leader in ministry. It can be anywhere. Living the Christian life is, is tough. Serving God faithfully everywhere we go is difficult because it's not always sunshine and roses. And we have to understand that even in the hard times, even in the the times when there are trials from within, there's trials from within our family, there's trials from within our church family, our people that should be for us. It's those times that we truly see the true measure of a servant of God, where their focus to please God comes despite the pressures from without. What do we understand from this is that what really mattered to Paul was his passionate and faithful service to God. He was commit he was committed to serve God no matter what. The number two thing that I think we see here as we make our way through this passage that really mattered to Paul, what really mattered to Paul and what really should matter to us is not just our passionate and faithful service to God, the way that we day in and day out serve God faithfully, but number two, is constant and thorough discipleship. Constant and thorough discipleship mattered to Paul and should still matter to us today. Verse 20 says, And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. I think it's interesting there that word profitable is the same word, the same idea that we find later on in the book of 1 Timothy where Paul is talking about the word of God and he describes the word of God as being just that, of being profitable. And no doubt that's the illusion that he is giving here to the Ephesian believers. He's letting them know that he did not hold anything back from the counsel of the word of God. When he shared with them, he wasn't just giving them what their ears wanted to hear. He was giving them the word of God. Why? Because it's the word of God that truly brought growth in their lives. It's the word of God that truly brought growth in their families. It's the word of God that truly brought healing to those that needed it. And it was that constant and thorough discipleship. Paul did not withhold the message or miss an opportunity to disciple the flock that God had given him. He knew that his days were numbered and he wanted to maximize every single Moment. I think about the, the, the fact that God has blessed my family uh, with, with two beautiful girls. We've got Alice, uh, who is five, just turned five in October. We've got Amy Jane, who was born, obviously, March 4th of this year. And, and as we go through these days, I, I'm understanding the importance of every day. And, and I can just, as I literally feel like I just blinked, and Alice was in Amy Jane's shoes, and now here she is, you know, five years old. And, and I think about this idea of, of discipleship and I think about the, the responsibility as a parent that I have been given to disciple my own two children and, and, and the opportunity that I have and the responsibility that I have to lead them and point them in the path that God wants them to go, to shoot them as arrows, to go out and accomplish the work that God has for them to do. And, and I think about the fact 
that I need to maximize every single moment. I, I, I can't take for granted one day. I can't take for granted one opportunity to have devotions with them, to read with them, to pray with them. Not just because I'm not guaranteed another day, but because I know that every opportunity to plant the gospel on their hearts is going to reap benefits, not just now in their life, but in the future. And so we as parents, we as a church, we as Christians need to understand that what really should matter to us is a constant and thorough commitment to disciple making, to discipleship. How did Paul teach in public and in homes? You see, he, there was no way that Paul could be everywhere all at one time. Well, we know that Paul did teach in the local church. He got up, he would, he would share with those believers, but it didn't stop with just the teaching. You see, he would apply the message to the context of life. It's one thing to just get up and share and read Scripture. But when Scripture really becomes lively to us is when it is made applicable. And I believe that we are so blessed. We are so blessed to have individuals in our life that don't just share God's word, but share God's word and give us a way that we can take it out and use it in our lives, that we can make application every single day. But I think if it was just those two things, yes, the ministry would have grown. Yes, there would have been success. Yes, discipleship would have taken place. But I believe where Paul really began to see his influence spread and where he truly began to see discipleship work is in the third way that he taught in public and in homes, which was his way of equipping men and women to live the message out to their families, to their friends, and even to outsiders. He enabled those that he ministered to, to take the message of the gospel and to go out and to share it themselves. He, he emboldened those believers, the leaders of the church, to go out and to live the gospel out on a daily life, to live their life on mission so that as people interacted with them, they received the message of the gospel and they were changed by that. Why did all of these things happen? It did not happen by accident. It did not happen for any other reason except for the fact that Paul understood the true value of constant and thorough discipleship. Number three, not only did he really, what really mattered to Paul was passionate and faithful service to God, constant and thorough discipleship. But number three, I believe we see from this passage that what really mattered to Paul was a focused and impartial message of the gospel, not just the sharing of the gospel, but actually what was being shared. Look at verse 21, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. The foundation for everything that Paul taught was repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. That was it. It, it, that wasn't the entire message, but every message that he gave was rooted in those two things, repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. By the way, those two things are still the things that we should have rooted in our message, repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. There's many other things that we can find in the counsel of God. But if our message, our message of the gospel strays away from those two foundational elements, then we're missing something. And Paul understood that. He was centered on that message. Paul declared to the church at Rome what? He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because he understood that if the foundation of the message was repentance and faith in Jesus Christ, that people were just not going to flock to him to hear that message just on their own. Because our natural inclination is not to want to 
turn from our sin and turn to God. That's not what we naturally want to do in our flesh. He knew that people were not going to want to put their faith, their allegiance, their trust in Jesus Christ just on their own. So he knew that he had to be convinced of the message. The message was true. The message was right. And he said here, I am not ashamed of the gospel as he writes to the church at Rome. You see, the message to the Jews and the Greeks remained the same, even if the delivery or the context of reception was very different. It's hard for us to truly put ourselves in in Paul's place because our culture is so different than the culture that Paul was ministering in. The Jewish culture and the Greek culture could not be any more different. However, we understand that even in our, in our livelihood today, we meet people from all walks of life. We, we interact with people that see life differently than we see it. We, we come to people, we talk to them. They're from a different country. They're from a different area of the country. When I come from Texas, there's parts about Texas that I can see here in North Carolina. And I take parts of North Carolina back to Texas and I fit in pretty good. But then there's some things when I walk into a room and people will say, you're not from around here, are you? And I'm like, no, I'm not. You know, I, I, you know, I'm not I'm not originally from Texas. I live here now and I'm trying my best to fit in as much as I can. But they understand why, because culturally there are some differences. But we need to understand here that as Paul was ministering to the Jews and to the Greeks in a ministry context to share the gospel with them, the message of the gospel Paul did not dilute, did not change the message in any way. Notice here, though, some things that Paul did not say. Here's what Paul was not saying whenever, uh, whenever he was talking about the message of the gospel. He, he was not saying that he never adapted to see the message received. He doesn't mean that he was completely inflexible. I'm not changing. I'm not changing one thing. Everything's going to be exactly the same from the time that I started to the time that I leave. That's not what Paul was saying. He wasn't saying that he never adapted at all so that the message could be received. Paul was also not saying that he was inflexible toward the culture of the day because the message was not changing. He wasn't saying that at all. He also was not saying that the gospel was just for thee and you fill in the blank. He wasn't just saying that the gospel is just for this group. It's just for that group. It's just for these people. It's just for that. He wanted to cast a net so that all could receive the gospel, Jew and Greek alike. Paul did assert that the gospel was for everyone. And that beyond the essentials of the message, repentance and faith, it is important that we recognize the process of sanctification is going to flow differently for every single believer. Some people are going to get saved and their process of discipleship and their process to begin to grow in faith and begin to catch on to some of the things that we might expect someone that follows Christ to do. And they might do that immediately. But then it might take someone days, months, weeks and even years. The the truth here is that we need to understand that like Paul, that our message remain the same. It is focused. It's impartial. Parents, you know, as we as we go through this culture that we are living in, it is so important that though the 
culture that we are living in changes by the day, by the second. The, the way in which social media is affecting our kids, the way in which technology and the way that it is thrust at them from all areas. As a, as a middle school teacher, uh, what I do on a, on a full-time basis, uh, in, in addition to what God has allowed us to do there at the church, it's important for me, and, and as I see there, to see what my kids are doing and what my students are talking about and how they are changing. And I promise, I try and stay as in step with what they are doing, but it's impossible, all right? It's impossible to stay with every single thing and the lingo and, and, the, and the apps and everything. But here's the important thing. What I cannot do what I cannot do is no matter what the newest craze may be and what the newest fad may be, I cannot change my message and, and dilute the message down because I want to attract and because I want to entertain and, and, and get the kids to listen to me. No, my message needs to be adapted to what they might hear, but the message of repentance and faith cannot change. And that's exactly what Paul was doing here. It was focused it was impartial. He, he did not show preference toward the Jews. He did not show preference toward the Greeks, which leads us to our last point here. The last thing that we see here, what truly matters, passionate and faithful service to God. The fact that there was constant and thorough discipleship going on in his life, in his ministry, focused and impartial message of the gospel that truly mattered to Paul. But lastly here, a complete and joyful Finish. Look with me at verse number 24. You see verses 22 and 23, he, he tells the people, he tells the, the Ephesians, he says, listen, I'm going bound into Jerusalem, not knowing what's going to befall me there. I don't know what awaits me. He says, except that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide. abide me. But notice what he says in verse 24. But none of these things move me. They don't hold value for me. The uncertainty about what's going to await me when I go bound to Jerusalem, it, that doesn't hold value to me. It doesn't alert me in any way. Neither count I my life dear unto myself. Why? So that the purpose for all that what he was doing here, that's what that, that phrase, so that, is telling us. So that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Nothing except his complete, except completing his course, passing the baton, finishing the race, wherever it might go, was of real concern to Paul. Nothing else mattered to him. Nothing else truly did matter other than the fact that he wanted to, as he did these other things, as he served faithfully, as he went out and took the gospel and shared it and passed it on to make new disciples, as he remained focused on the message of the gospel, he wanted everyone to understand that his number one focus, the thing that truly mattered to him, was finishing the race that God had given him. Not worrying about what the race of somebody else, what they were doing, but finishing his race. Completing the course, passing the baton, finishing the race. He recognized that the real origin of everything that he would pass on came from God. I think it's important there to notice in verse 24 that he said, so that I might finish my course and the ministry what? Which I have received of the Lord Jesus. It's important for us to understand that we cannot stop and let up until 
we have accomplished what God has called us to do. You see, dads, we cannot stop leading our family and making time to show them the importance of knowing God personally. By the way, dad, God put you in that place. When Paul says here, the ministry that I have received, you have been given that ministry. You have been given the opportunity, the responsibility to disciple your children. And God is saying, dads, you cannot stop leading your family, making time to show them the importance of knowing God personally. Why? Because the days are going to get long. We're going to feel like we're unsuccessful in our efforts, but we need to understand that God is at work. Moms, don't stop standing with your husband or even alone if the time may come on the truths of God's word. Never forget that the children that you faithfully share on social media are image bearers of God. God has great plans to use those children to impact many with the gospel. So we have to be willing to let go. I'm so thankful that I have two parents that were faithful to tell God what they, when when, when they stood in front of a church and dedicated us to God and gave us back to God, it was not just something they did because all the other young adults were doing. It was something they truly meant in their heart. Because when I came home and I told my parents what God was calling me to do and what God wanted me to do and what God, where God was leading my family to live on the, the middle of the country, but far enough away where you can't just get in your car and come over and see us. My parents supported us 100%. Why? Because they understood that when they made a promise to God, when they did that, the only way that they can truly finish their course with joy is if they followed through with the decision that they made and, and supported us 100%. Dads and moms, we have to remain faithful to do those things for our families. Coworkers, don't stop living faithfully in front of your colleagues. God has placed you in that place for such a time as this. They're watching you. They need to know what you think about. The more than just what, you know, your, your election response or your pandemic response. They need to see the compassion in your heart. They are looking for that. They're looking for meaning. They're looking for help in these days. We need to be that for them. And we cannot stop doing that. God has given us that ministry. And all believers, don't stop running your race. Don't quit. The cross is too powerful. The message is too essential and time is too short for us to become complacent. There's so many things in life that we can look at today and even now and we can ask about what really matters. 2020 to save us from all the cliches that we've heard uh, throughout this year has been very difficult. And as we do some inventory on what we did well and what we hope to change, you know, there's going to always be an asterisk, you know, by things. You know, in sports, sports has have been shortened and there have been many things that have happened this year in sports uh, that, that may never happen again. And, and, and there's going to be records and things that happened in sports that some have said might have an asterisk beside them, you know because a team only played six games and still got into the college football playoff because some teams, you know, didn't play the schedule that they normally would and things like that. There's going to be some things in history that people are going to look at and they're going to say, yeah, but it happened in 2020. Why? Because the value in some ways has been diluted. But I want us to understand something today that when we stand before God, And when we give an account for everything that we have done, I want to let us know that regardless of what 2020 held, we're going to have to give an account for the way in which we 
did these things that Paul was sharing today because these are truly the things that mattered to Paul. And more importantly, these are truly the things that mattered to God and matter to God. How, how are we faithfully serving God? Are we doing it in spite of tears, in spite of temptation and trials? How are we thoroughly and constantly discipling those that God has placed us around? How are we remaining focused and impartial on the message that, of the gospel that we have been given, that has been passed upon to us? And then how are we in remaining focused on completing and finishing our course, our finish with joy? I'm so thankful for the way in which God has used individuals in this church, people all over, some that are in this room that have returned for the Christmas season. And I'm so grateful for people that even though the times got tough, even though things were difficult and things did not always go like they wanted, I'm so thankful that they passionately served God. Because of their influence, I am here today and I am able to do what I have done and pass on to the next generation. I'm so thankful that they poured into me and made a disciple of me so that then I could go out and make a disciple of, of individuals who will then go out out and make disciples. I'm so thankful for individuals that did not change the message of the gospel and were able to share the gospel with me. I'm so thankful that as a five-year-old boy, I sat in what is now the top town area in a children's church, received the gospel, knelt in a, in a, in a stairwell that I don't even know if it's there anymore. It's right behind the, the, right behind the top town check-in desk. And I prayed to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Why? Because even though I was five years old and even though it was a children's church with five, six, seven, eight, nine-year-olds, Whoever was preaching on that particular day didn't say, well, you know, it's kids. You know, we'll just give them a little, we'll, we'll pump them up a little bit. We'll, we'll give them a good challenging message. No, they shared the gospel with me. And as a five-year-old young boy, I received the gospel. And I'm so thankful that they realized the importance and the value of the gospel and a focused and impartial message. And then lastly, I'm so thankful for people that did not quit, that finished their course with joy. Some that are still here today and are still continuing to do what God was doing in their hearts when I was here. And then some that have even gone on to heaven and finished, truly did finish their course with joy. My challenge to us today is this. What really matters to us? As we go back and look at this year, yes, there's going to be some things that completely out of our control we could not handle. We could not do them any different. We did the very best that we could. But as we move ahead into 2021, still with some of those unknowns in the, in, around us, there are some things that we can control. And much of what we talked about today are things that we can control. It's our life. It's how we share the gospel and how we go out and take the gospel. If you're here this morning, the only thing that truly matters to you if you've never met Jesus is how you respond to the gospel, how you respond to the message that we heard today as, we, as the song was being sung. Today, you can see and meet the Savior. And you can meet that King that Brother Kevin sang about. And my prayer today is that we will do that. Let's pray this morning. God, we thank you so much for this day. Lord, as these thoughts have been scattered and they've, Lord, been, been Lord, on my heart, Lord, but I, I, I know that you, Lord, I pray that as you were speaking to each and every one of us, dear God, that you would allow this message this morning to resonate in us. Lord, not just today, but as we move ahead in the, in the days and weeks to come, Lord, I pray that we would truly do inventory, Lord, of the value of what truly matters to us. Lord, we live in a world where people are hurting where people are, are looking for answers. 
So God, please help us today to ask the question, Lord, what really matters? I pray that we would be focused on not what we think matters, but God, what your word tells us really does matter and live our life with the time that you, we have left in this year. And then as we move ahead into the new year, 2021, God, help us all to live out each and every day what really matters in our life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.